Lord for sending Jesus your only begotten son thank you that you love us and you love this this entire world every one of us and everything in it we, we praise you worthy God holy God how majestic is your name Yes, how majestic is your name in all the earth, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving us communion, an opportunity to examine our hearts and to examine ourselves um, before you. We want to see you more. We want to know you more. We want to be right in the centre of your will, Lord God. So forgive us of our sin. Cleanse us for, for our unrighteousness. From Mark 16, starting in verse 14. He who believes and is baptised will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that these are our promises. But first, we must come before the Lord in repentance uh, just before that in in, uh, in verse 14 it says later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen and as I read that scripture this week it just really occurred to me that that is where we are sometimes. We are hard of heart. We say, we say that we're soft. We want to be soft, but we need to um, allow the Lord to break up those hard and dry places in our lives in order for his goodness to flow in. And, and also the, the, uh, the Lord just mentioned the unbelief. We need to believe, truly believe, church, sons and daughters, who we are. And so as we come around the table of communion, let's examine our hearts and let's ask the Lord to show us if there's anything in us that we do need to, to bring before him this morning in repentance. Our unbelief, our hardness of heart, our pride, there's so many things, isn't there? Let's just ask him now to forgive us. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, dear Lord. We come before you, Heavenly Father. Oh, Lord, we, we seek forgiveness for unbelief. We seek forgiveness for hardness in our hearts. Please forgive us, Lord. We repent ourselves as individuals, but we also repent for our families, for our communities, and for our nation. Oh God, forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of our unrighteousness. 
We desire to be one with you. We desire to commune with you fully and wholly. So thank you that as we come, you do forgive. Purify us, O Lord. Cleanse us, O Lord, we ask. Let's take of the bread now. We partake of the bread in remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ who gave everything, every single thing that we may be free. Free to come into the throne room of God. Free to know him and to have him as Lord in our lives. So thank you, Lord. Thank you. We come to you as children and we take of the bread and we remember the Lord Jesus Christ. And we take of the blood which cleanses us from unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this blood. And we take it in the name of Jesus, knowing that the victory is won, that the Lord God Almighty is alive. He is alive. He is alive on the inside of us. He is alive in his church. He is alive. May your kingdom come, Lord. May your will be done. We take this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Wow, that was a, a beautiful time of worship this morning. Thank you to Joel and Ruth for, for leading us this morning. Everyone was engaged and, and just joyous this morning. I could really sense that and see that. So it's so encouraging to see God's church alive. Hallelujah. <laughs> so... Uh, We've got a great message this morning from Pastor Gary, but firstly, just um, a little reminder that we have Father's Day coming up in a couple of Sundays' time, and in between the services, we're going to have a barbecue just outside here, which will be nice. Um, so just want to let everybody know Father's Day. Um, also, I don't know how many of you use the Bible app at all to read the Bible on, on their telephone. I know I refer to it quite a lot. We have set up a, uh, a church, um, uh, as a church, uh, in the Bible app. So you can search for um, Refinery Life as your church. And then um, Pastor Gary is loading in plans there that we can read together as a church. And also you can load in um, prayer requests. So it's an opportunity to reach... Uh, not just us, but the wider body of Christ too, as people get to know uh, what's there in that app. So just like to let, you, let everyone know about that. And this afternoon, 3pm, uh, we have our afternoon service and Pastor Romal will be bringing the word. Looking forward to that. So Pastor Gary, I'd like to invite Amen. you to come. Amen. How good is it to be at church again? Awesome. I'm excited. I love when um, someone in the congregation, this time it was Gloria, said to me during worship, there's an open heaven. I can see it. Joel's just cracked it open. Come on. That's what we should be doing at church. We're not just here to sing a couple of songs and entertain ourselves, are we? We're actually here to worship our Lord. That's what it's about. Bye, children's church. Have fun. <laughs> During worship, the Lord just shared this message with me, just reminded me, as he does. We all know it. It's Isaiah 54, 17. And some of us need to hear that this week. I know I do. No weapon that is formed against us shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against us in judgment, they thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. How good is that? How good is that? That, that, is, that is a great reminder that no matter what's coming against you this week, 
the last couple of weeks, whatever it may be, doesn't matter. The Lord's got you. Nothing shall prosper. Nothing shall prosper. What a week it's been. Thursday night, we had a great night. Some of the leaders and the worship team got together. I'm just going to turn that off because it's really loud in my ear. It's better. The leaders and the worship team got together and um, we're working through a worship course, some worship training, because, you know, it's not about the music. Can you still hear me? Something going on there. Yep. And maybe turn it down if we can. Um, and it was just a great time of, of understanding what worship actually is. And it's not about the music. It's about worshipping Him, giving ourselves to Him, being obedient to Him. It's exciting. It's exciting. You know, as Pastor Amel said the other week, we, and we need to remember this, good morning. We're in the third day. Good morning. Get ready for it. This is the third day. Join me in the Lord's Prayer before we go any further. We like to pray the Lord's Prayer every, every single time we meet. I'll just get it here, Amanda. It'll be... Let's turn it right down. We need to start declaring this over ourselves. Because this, this is the model prayer that Jesus gave us. It doesn't sound like those speakers are working at all now. Anyways, this is the model prayer that Jesus gave us. He said, say this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let me just break that down for us, because we, we need to understand what we're saying. Our Father in heaven, we're actually acknowledging him as God. Hallowed be your name, you are God. Your kingdom come, because it's not Gary's kingdom, it's not Joel's kingdom, it's not Ramel's kingdom, it's your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. <coughs> We're not really seeing his kingdom happen on earth at the moment, are we? But we can keep praying. Give us this day what we need, our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, Lord, please, because we are still sinners. We're saved, but we're sinners. As we forgive others, or we don't like that bit too much, that's hard. But we want his forgiveness. And do not lead us into temptation, because we will find our own way there. But when we get there, deliver us from the evil one. This is what we're praying. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The Lord's power was not just around in biblical times. His kingdom was not just for biblical times. And his glory was not just for biblical times. It's forever. It's forever. We've got to start living as a church like this. We've got to start living... Not even as Christians. Let's graduate from that. Let's start being kingdom people. Let's graduate. And today we're going to continue the title that we've been working through. The Master Speaks to Us Today Through the Parables. And remember, all these parables were spoken one after another. Because sometimes we need to hear the same story but in a different format so it actually sinks in. And these teachings are based on the parables that describe the nature of of the kingdom of God. And today we're going to talk about if you compare honestly, you will choose Jesus. So all of our friends and family that are not choosing Jesus and they're comparing him to what's going on in the world and science and all that sort of thing, they're not comparing honestly. They're deceived, as we once were. I'm going to pray for our offering before we go any further. For those of you that are new, we, we don't do offering messages at the refinery. We've sat through thousands of them ourselves. But we do pray for the seed every week. And, and we, we don't give. Because if you give something, you don't expect anything in return, right? But if you sow a seed, you expect that seed to grow. So if you've got your seed with you, 
just lift it up to the Lord as we pray this morning. Father, we know that what you would have us become. Strengthen us, Lord, that we may become pure and gentle and truthful and high-minded and courteous and generous. Yet we know that we cannot be these things in our own power. In our own little fleshy bodies, we can't do it, Lord. We will fail miserably if we depend on human strength. You have saved us through your death, Lord, on the cross. Help us to grow in grace, becoming more like you every day that we live, Lord. Strengthen us that we, when we're weak, and, and forgive us, Lord, when we're sinful. Help us to know that a part of our growth in grace, Lord, is learning to bring material possessions into God's house so that the work of Christ may be continued. Accept these gifts today, Lord, and help us as we channel them into the proper places for the greatest effectiveness in the preaching of the gospel of Christ. Make us not only generous givers, Lord, but givers who find happiness in giving. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. If you have your seed there, there's an offering box on either side. You know, we're called to be generous givers. I know that's hard, but when we sow, we should sow from the the best of what we got, the first of what we've been given by the Lord, not just wait until the end and throw in the crumbs. We've tested it. Our old pastor, Pastor Dwayne Van Furen, who was up in Bowen, at Bowen Christian Family Centre. I remember, I've shared the story before. We, we were trying to figure out how to pay our bills and he said, come and let me show you how to sew. We're like, oh, how's this going to work? And that first week we had money left over. Bills hadn't changed. Second week we had money left over and our bills hadn't changed. They're all paid. We know that giving works. When we put the Lord first, And it's in everything that we do, not just in our finances. The text we're concentrating on today is going to be Matthew 13, 46. It says, if you've got your Bible, open it up. I love the sound of Bible pages flicking through. If you don't have your Bible, we'll have the the scriptures up on the screen. And as Pastor Amanda said, if you use the Bible app, you can actually search us as as your church now. We're actually part of the beta testing for it um, from version, which was fantastic. You can put prayer requests and needs and all that on there as well that only the church will see so they can pray for you. So Matthew thirteen forty six says, Who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it? And the scriptures we're working through, again, there's only two of them today. Matthew thirteen forty five and 46 the parable of the pearl of great price it says again the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls I love the parables most of them say again it's the same story different format Jesus is trying to tell us something again the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking great pearls who when he had found one or when he had found a pearl of great price went and sold all that he had and brought it almost like the story of the rich young ruler isn't it how do I enter the kingdom in Jesus day pearls were highly valued I don't know if they are as much today I I lived in Western Australia for a while where a lot of pearls come from and the, the pearl farms are huge and there's a lot of money in it but I don't think we value them like they did in Jesus day and Jewish writers in the Old Testament days spoke of the pearl as being beyond price a little bit like Christ, right? We can't put a price on him. Merchants looked the world over for beautiful pearls and, the, and new stories were always being circulated about the greatest pearl of all. Why do you think people in, who came to Australia and moved to you know, the northern parts of Western Australia? Because there were pearls there. They knew they could find them. Darwin, there were pearls there. That's why 
a lot of Chinese and Filipinos and different, different nationalities moved to these areas because there were pearls there. Look at our gold fields down south. People moved there because there was something of great value. Let me do an exercise I just did a few weeks ago. If you were born in Australia, can you just put your hand up for a second? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven of us. For many years, we've prayed for the workers to come to Australia, right? We've said, that, Lord, the harvest is ripe, send the workers. If you were born in Australia, have a look around you. The workers have been sent. For decades, for generations, we've sent missionaries to other countries. I prophesied it a few years ago that those other countries would start sending missionaries back. Look around you. If you weren't born here, you're one of those missionaries. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Australia is a lazy country, as you've noticed. <laughs> we pray for the workers, but we don't actually want to do it ourselves. Well, some of us do. Seven of us are here that want to do it. Praise God. We found that pearl, right? That's why we're all here. Life is a quest. Our time on earth has been described in many different figures of speech. One of the most popular and meaningful is that of a search. The psalmist said in Psalm 63.1, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Jesus told us to seek first the kingdom of God in Matthew 6.33. Our parable today represents the quest for that which would bring the highest happiness. So we're talking about a pearl, but we're actually talking about Christ. We're talking about the kingdom. It's no longer good enough to call yourself a Christian. You want to be a kingdom person. The kingdom's coming. The kingdom is coming. When Gloria said to me that there's an open heaven here, I got excited, but I walked outside, down into the middle of the car park, because I want to feel what many people get to feel when, when they arrive. And I walked in, and I could feel it building as I come closer. And as soon as I walked through the doorway, I felt it. It hit me as I walked through the doorway. The kingdom is here. Often we hear someone say that you know, he or she, they're, they're trying to find themselves. We've all heard that, right? Maybe our children have said that to us. They're, they're just, they're off doing their own thing. They're trying to find themselves. Which is another way of saying that the person's looking for that one pearl of great price that will bring the ultimate happiness and joy. Too often that person doesn't realise that happiness will not come in a philosophy or a commitment to a superficial cause like global warming. Who controls the weather? God. The barrier reef's dying got more coral than ever but this is the superficial causes that people commit their lives to thinking they're going to find happiness but instead it comes when they've found someone big enough to deserve their loyalty and claim their allegiance and we as believers know that that is only in Jesus Christ that the only person that can bring that is Jesus Christ. Only he can bring fulfillment and put an end to the quest. If you want to know the meaning of life, start reading this in Genesis and finish it in Revelation. You know, he, he doesn't need us. He wants us. We need him. He created us for his pleasure. He created us to serve him. When you come to church and, and you serve, you don't serve me. You don't even serve the church. You're serving the Lord. We've said it before so many times. we said it from the start. If no one serves or if someone doesn't do something, we'll do it. 
And I praise the Lord that he's brought helpers. We still need more helpers. But I praise the Lord that he's brought them because as we find that pearl of great price, we will do anything it takes to obtain it. Because being a Christian has a price, doesn't it? The free gift of salvation, if you want to do something with it, will cost you everything. And you should be willing to give it. Jesus encourages us to investigate. He encourages investigation. If you've listened to any of our YouTube videos or our podcasts, you will hear me say at the end, don't take my word for it, read the Bible for yourself. No one person, or if one person, sorry, in all the world could cope successfully with his competitors, it was our saviour. He had at no time shown any fear of anyone who sought to rival his claims as the Christ. Jesus knew that if a person made an honest attempt to discover whether or not he was all that he claimed to be, the person would be convinced and become a follower. He didn't need to argue with them, didn't he? He just said, I am. I am who I am. When two of the early disciples of John asked Jesus where he lived, he replied in John 1.39, Come and see. And this has been called in the past a scientific approach. And Christianity has always said what it says in John 7.17, If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. It's quite amazing how as, as believers in Christ, how many of us don't read our Bibles? I'm not talking to anyone in the building, this one, I'm talking to the people watching online. We've had, in the past, people get cranky and leave the church because Gary said something that they didn't like. Gary didn't say it. The Bible said it. I'm just the one delivering the message. One of the biggest challenges as ministers, as many of you sitting in the, in the room today will know, is people get offended when you preach the word of God. If you've got a full car park, maybe the Holy Spirit's not there. If you've got a half full car park or an empty car park, guess what? Maybe the word of God's being preached. There's plenty of churches on the Gold Coast with thousand-seat auditoriums that are full. They've got great bands. They've got great bands. <laughs> that's, that's all I've got to say. I challenge any person to investigate fully the claims of Christ. Yes. Investigate the claims that he made. Don't shoot the messenger. Investigate the claims yourself. And I'm certain that if they will make an honest review of the facts, and act with integrity. Have you, have you ever noticed when you present the facts of Christ to people that they generally don't have that much integrity when they start looking at them? They need to twist them because what they really need to look at is themselves and their lifestyle and the things they've done in the past. But when they do act with integrity, they will give themselves in complete commitment to Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. I had to do it, as many of you have. Sitting in a gutter, crying out to the Lord, saying, Jesus, if you're real, if you're there, why won't you let me do this? His words were, I've got more for you, son. You're not going to do this. I have a plan and a purpose for you. Guess what? I then had to look at myself, because he told me he was real. That was the second encounter I'd had with him. The first one was in the Philippines, maybe 20 years earlier, where I was left for dead in a village. The people that I was with from Australia left me there. Three days. No one checked on me. Not even the Filipinos checked on me, actually. <laughs> they left me for dead as well. 
But for those three days, I was being led around the village by Jesus. I didn't know who it was at the time. And then three days, I'm up and... Actually, it just dawned on me, it was three days. Left for dead for three days. Come on. Good morning. (laughs) So that was in my... I would have been maybe... 19 or 20 then. I didn't know Christ. In fact, I didn't even like the church. I would have been a little bit like Paul back then if I had the chance. But he was still with me. So we need to look at ourselves, don't we, when we accept him, when he comes to us. We need to look with integrity at ourselves and at the evidence. And it's more than just the mind. In the parable, the man seems to have acted merely on business principles. Remember the parable last week? We're talking about business principles. We can't try and squeeze our own thoughts and ideas into what the parables say. We just have to read them. He had heard that somewhere there was a pearl of great value and far greater value than any other pearl. And when he saw it, he knew that he wanted it. I remember when, when myself and Pastor Amanda first met, we had coffee on a Friday, dinner on a Saturday, and on Sunday afternoon, we, we'd been bushwalking Sunday morning, she took me to church on Sunday afternoon. And I knew I'd found that pearl. It was the first time I'd ever walked into a Pentecostal church. And I went, oh, this is a bit weird. (laughs) Who are all these people checking me out? But I knew, didn't I? I knew straight away that I'd found that pearl that was greater than anything else. And when this man saw it, he knew that he wanted it. When I saw it, when I met Jesus, I knew that I wanted it. We moved to Bowen, which is hot. Even in winter, it's hot. We did Bible college up there, and I think within the first couple of weeks, I just knew that there was a call to be a minister. So we were going to do whatever it took. We did two years of Bible college in a year. I was working full-time driving coal trains every single day, and a lot of my night shifts, I'm doing Bible college stuff. Because we knew we wanted it. Perhaps the motivations of both pride and selfishness entered into this man's decision. He was prideful. He wanted the the best pearl. He's probably a little bit selfish because he wanted the best pearl. He probably wanted to keep it to himself. And we must always, of course, be careful about the motivation of becoming a Christian. We all know people who have said, I just love the Lord. I got saved on the weekend and now my life's going to be great. Probably shouldn't jump. My life's going to be great. But we know that's not always the case. Sometimes it gets a little bit harder, doesn't it? In the early stages of our religious impulses, we likewise often act from lesser motives. When we first learn about giving, maybe we give to get. Well, I heard there's going to be a hundredfold increase on this, so I'm going to give $10 and see what happens. If that's why you're giving, it's not the right reasons. But God accepts those lesser motives, doesn't he? Until we can rise to the higher ones. The prodigal son came home because he was hungry. That's the only reason the prodigal son came home. He was eating pig food. In coming home, though, he learned more about his father's love but it took that hunger motive to propel him towards his journey home. Something had to drive him. Many of us have found Christ because there was a hunger in our hearts. Some of us may have tried to fill it with drugs and alcohol and all sorts of other things. Toys, jet skis, four-wheel drives, boats, guitars. No people who try and fill that hole with musical instruments. But we know the only thing that can fill that hole is Jesus. 
in coming to Jesus, we must remember that the heart must make a decision. The heart must make the decision, not the head. Even when your mind is convinced that it's the right thing to do, your heart has to make the decision. We can all say that being a Christian is a great idea and we should do it, but the heart has to accept it. The heart has to live it out because when we do become Christian, it means we need to turn away from everything else. Think of some of the comparisons. If we compare COVID to Christ, which one should we choose? If we compare the nightclubs in Surface Paradise to Christ, which one should we choose? We've got to get it in our hearts. We've got to stop doing what Jesus said that we shouldn't do. A lawyer said to another lawyer, I know you're a Christian. I'm not. A Christian lawyer, that'd be an interesting thing, wouldn't it? We don't know too many of them. But this is a story I read through the week. And he says, I want you to prepare a brief concerning Jesus and present it to me. And the Christian lawyer obliged. He thought, this is a great idea. I might get to convert my, my business partner. And it was a well-drawn-up brief. It was thoroughly documented with facts and clearly stated valid points that confirmed Christ's claims. And the non-Christian lawyer studied that brief carefully for several days. You could imagine him. He'd be trying to pick it apart like many of our families and our friends do. They try and pick apart the Bible. And one morning, he said to his friend, I had an unusual experience. I thought my problem was mental and intellectual. I studied your brief. And I found that everything you said about Jesus stood up under critical investigation. I was thoroughly convinced. But then I learned something. My problem was not with my mind. It was with my heart. The man who saw the pearl realized its value. But the deciding factor was that his heart desired it. I used to look at Christians and thought, man, they're a bit strange. But they got something. They seem so happy. They seem pretty successful in life, most of them. When I talk about success, I don't mean financially. Living good, clean lives. Which at the time, I wasn't. And that was the problem, wasn't it? I wanted what they had, but I wasn't willing to let go of what I already had myself. Then we're going to look at it. Is it a purchase or a gift? One question that's puzzled people is how can God's kingdom be a gift of grace? I said it before. That free gift of salvation will cost you everything. How can God's kingdom be a gift of grace and yet the parable pictures a man's purchase. And again, we can see the error that I was talking about last week of trying to press every detail in a parable to give us a doctrinal statement. Sometimes we just need to read it and it says what it says. We don't need to try and put our own thoughts into, into what it says. There's way too much messed up doctrine being preached where man's thoughts are trying to be squeezed into the Bible. This parable emphasizes the great truth, as does the parable of the hidden treasure, that to be in God's kingdom is far greater than having everything else in all the world. Both stories point of the great worth of God's kingdom. We need God's kingdom on earth. We pray it every time we meet. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We need it. It's not just something we add on. That's where we should be. Yeah, we have ministers on the Gold Coast that refuse to preach from the Old Testament 
refuse to even read it? I don't know what, I don't know what they preach. Because if you want to preach what Jesus preached, he preached from the Old Testament. He was a Jew. So I don't know what these people preach. They haven't realised that that pearl of great wisdom is sitting there. The value of God's kingdom is far beyond all reckoning. That any cost of purchase is still a gift. If you give up everything you have for God's kingdom, it is still a gift. It is priceless. You cannot afford it. None of us can. It's a gift, no matter what the cost. Pastoring a church is a gift. And let me tell you, there's a cost to it. There's a huge cost, but we want to see the kingdom. Nothing else. Nothing else. The kingdom. We want to see the Holy Spirit move across this church. We want to see the Holy Spirit move across this city. We want to be... It sounds a little bit selfish, but you're going to like it. We want to be, in a hundred years' time, when they talk about the great revival that hit the Gold Coast, they say, it started in that building. That wasn't even a church building. It was a senior citizens' hall, but there were faithful believers there praying. And everything comes from prayer. Yesterday morning, oh, seriously, if you can get out of bed before six o'clock on a Saturday morning, come and join us. I know some people live quite a way away and it's a bit hard. Grace started singing yesterday morning as we're, we're standing there on the water. And this happens so regularly, it's, it, it's just expected now. There's no boats moving around. Grace starts singing, waves start coming in. I started praying about something else, waves started coming in. It's an expectation now that when we gather and pray, the Holy Spirit moves. I won't accept anything else. If he doesn't, I go home disappointed. I go home disappointed. I shouldn't. But I just have such a hunger and an expectation that he moves. And whether we come upon Jesus suddenly and unexpectedly, like the treasure in the field, like one of our friends who... we most of you haven't met but you will get to meet him over the next few months pay him he was stabbed and left for dead in Singapore he's an Iranian refugee he saw that light he saw the angels come and pick him up there's a sudden experience with Christ right or whether we make a decision for him after years of searching like I did I would have been one of the most frustrating Christians ever for a pastor because I like to get answers to questions. So some of us take years of searching. And that is always or often accompanied by examination. What do the scriptures say? An evaluation. How does that weigh up to what the, the pastor's teaching? But the truth is still the same. Whether it's that sudden experience or years of searching. Christ is still Christ. God is still God. We're still searching the kingdom. I'm going to finish up here in just a moment. Joshua gathered Israel before him and he recited the history of God's providential healing of the people. He challenged them in Joshua 24:15. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, Choose for yourselves. This is why I don't get into arguments with non-believers. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves. This day, whom you will serve. And I'm saying this to everyone in the building today as well and everyone watching online. Choose who you're going to serve today. Whether the gods of your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites or the gods of COVID, or the gods of the government, or the gods of whatever the world tells you you should do next. 
But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is what we need to look at, don't we? Do we going to serve COVID? Who, who made the doctors God? Are we going to serve the government? Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but who made them God? They work for us, right? We pay tax. We elect them. Well, you don't know who elected this last lot, but I'm not getting into that. But who are we going to serve? Are we going to serve our bosses? We're going to serve Tom Tate. We're going to serve whatever. Or are we going to serve the Lord? He spoke to the multitudes but used the second person singular form when he told them that they must choose. We all must choose. We can be a slave to what the world wants or we can be a slave to Christ. I know which one I'd prefer. I've been a slave to the world. It's horrible. The world thought I was successful. It looked like I was successful, but it was horrible. It got me to the point where I wanted to commit suicide three times. Serving the Lord is so much better. I will be his slave any day of the week. But with that comes responsibility. (laughs) With great privilege comes responsibility. Each person is responsible for their own destiny. I cannot pray you into heaven. I cannot do your listening for you. I cannot do your serving for you. It's up to you. I can pray with you. I can stand alongside you. I can encourage you. But it's up to you. Your destiny is yours. I'd love to see you in heaven. We're going to see some people that we... We don't expect when we get there, right? We're like, what are you doing here? What did you do to get here? And there's going to be some people who we, we, we'd like to see in heaven, but they're not actually going to be there. So why is it important to compare and decide? The basic reason is that we cannot have two masters. We cannot have two masters. We can worship mammon, or we can worship the Lord. Yeah, we have had some people, and we still do, that go to two or three different churches. You can't have two masters. The Jews would not have had three rabbis. They would have been committed to one. They would have abided by that teaching. They would have lived by that teaching. You cannot have two masters. It's the world or it's the kingdom. Jesus must be Lord of all or he will be Lord of nothing. Let me say that again. If he's not the Lord of all in your life, he's Lord of nothing in your life. He doesn't want half of you. He doesn't want you know, Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon. He wants everything. Everything. He has to be Lord of all. We cannot mingle our loyalties We can't mingle our loyalties. We can't do it. We must make every effort to know all the issues and know the final result of our choices. I choose to serve the Lord. I try my best to live a godly life, believing that my outcome is eternal and it's in heaven. And then we make our decisions based on the evidence. It's up to you. It really is up to you. I cannot do it for you. Pastor Di can pray for you until she goes blue in the face, but she can't pray you into heaven. She can't do your obedience for you. It's up to you. All of these parables have said the same thing. Where do you fit into the story? The merchant, once he saw the pearl of great price, knew that he could not live unless he possessed it. I know that without Christ, I cannot live. I've tried it the other way. Let me tell you, it meant death and destruction. Like Paul says, he's happy with a lot and he's happy with a little. He's learned to live both ways. Thousands of people have had this same experience with Jesus, haven't they? 
thousands have seen the value of the gospel, the value of Christ, and they've given up everything for it. Can you imagine being a, a male or a female, but a female especially, in places like Iraq and Syria and Iran and running a women's group preaching the gospel? Can you imagine that? We know people that do it. Yet we're like, oh, someone called me a mean name, so I'm not going to preach anymore. Someone said, I, I, I put a video out one day this week, just a really short one, and I got more dislikes than likes. I'm like, come on, that's the gospel. But many young people would have gone, oh, they don't like me. I won't do that ever again. Guess what? I'll put a video out the next day as well. I don't care. You can hate me if you like. But if I'm preaching this, you're actually hating this. If you're saying that you don't like the church, and this is a massive problem. Thank you, Lord. This is a massive problem for the church worldwide, especially in Western countries. I don't need the church anymore. I can do it by myself. I just want a relationship with Christ and I know He loves me. Guess what? He only works through His church. We're supposed to be together. We're supposed to be community. Once you see Him in all of His grace and glory, you know that you must not. You know that you cannot live without Him. So let me encourage you today as we go into a little bit more worship and then we'll have some morning tea, let me encourage you today, make that choice. I know everyone sitting in here this morning is a believer. But make that choice to actually start living for Him. Don't just be one of those people that on the, on the census when it comes out, to tick that you're a Christian. Because what does that actually mean if you're not doing it? He needs to be Lord of your life. So let me encourage you. If you're watching online, be blessed. We love you. We're looking forward to seeing you again on Tuesday night. Actually, this evening. 3.30 Queensland time will be online. 3 o'clock if you're in person. Let's worship a little bit more. Let's sing and dance and worship. Jesus, I'm 